To episode number 185 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we wish we weren't looking back already. I'm your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by the commiserating Joshua Housem. Josh? It's <laughs> <laughs> the, the right adjective this time. <laughs> <laughs> I finally found one that fit the, the circumstances. <laughs> um, that was, uh, it was over before it, it even began uh, playing there on uh, on the musical selection for our our brief look back at the Blue Jays, uh, I would call it exciting playoff run, but I don't know if that that's probably being a little bit generous. So we're just here to talk about the Blue Jays and the playoffs uh, before we do a you know a full breakdown in the coming week or two. And, I think and that, that for something yeah. to be considered a playoff run, it has to be longer than thirty six hours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, there, we didn't have to have that whole discussion, I guess, about whether it's a uh, it, it's the playoffs because it's a wild card game because we we had a three game series in theory. But if 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 you wrote a script about how badly things could go, um, yeah, other than possibly the first three innings for Matt Shoemaker, you, you that was a script of of how badly things can go. I'm I'm not embarrassed, but I certainly am disappointed. Yeah, I mean. They put up something of a fight in game one, but game two was over so fast. They're just like, oh, I, <laughs> I guess this postseason is not going to be what we wanted. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I didn't. So I worked the day that um, that uh, game two happened. And by the time I got home and could have turned on the TV, I believe the Blue Jays had already given up a grand slam. And that was the second inning, third inning, second, second inning. So I like, yeah, I mean, anything's possible. But uh, it's a whole lot less possible. So let's start from the beginning of of the first game. Um, now, we, we uh, just a side note that I thought was interesting. We did discuss a lot about Alejandro Kirk. He was in the lineup in game one, as predicted as the DH. Yeah, I think he got the first hit. So um, he did his job. Um, the other he did his job was, of course, the very controversial decision about Matt Shoemaker. So Matt Shoemaker... Um, you thought he was – I thought he was going to go maybe, you know, one and a half times through through the order. Uh, you thought he was going to go precisely one time through the order. I owe you a coffee or something because the Blue Jays pulled Matt, much to his chagrin, after exactly three innings. Yes. Technically, I think he got two batters beyond, <laughs> beyond <laughs> one through the order, um, which, I mean, that's how it seemed like the plan was going to be. And, you know, it was the plan. They did not deviate it, deviate from it in any way. Because that's how they felt they had the best chance to win. And like when you look at the aggregate, it's hard to disagree with six innings in one run from Shoemaker and Ray. And also when you consider how that run run came about was 
the first batter that Ray faced hit a triple. Yep. In in virtually any other circumstance, even if that batter hits, you know, potentially a double, you might have still gotten away with no runs from those two. Even with the triple, I mean. Yeah. The run scored because of a wild pitch because the next two batters struck out. Yeah. So, like. People got all excited that Shoemaker was excited. Now, I get, again, once again, somehow not communicating to the the pitcher exactly what's going to happen to him seems weird to me. Seems like a no-brainer to tell him. It's what's weird here is that there's two lines of thought coming. Shoemaker says he thought he would go longer, but the team says they told him the plan and they actually let him go longer than the original plan was. So I think maybe the thing you could take from that is that they told Shoemaker the plan. But then when they let him go longer than the original thought process, he thought, oh, they're just going to let me go. Mm. Yeah. And and it, so there's been a lot of hand-wringing over this decision. You know, a lot of looking back. It's like that's why they lost the series because no. the players were oh, – I mean this is the dumbest takes ever. <laughs> I seeing it. Like, like the players were upset and, and lost faith and that's why they got pumped in game two. It's like, the, like they should not be major leaguers if that's the case. But – there is something to be said for, in a playoff game, deviating from a plan if the situation calls for deviating from the plan. Right. Uh, um, we'll get to that more, actually, in Game 2 a little bit. But uh, in this one, there was nothing wrong with the idea. The only thing that, to me, that they should have done, and they did not do, and this is easier to, easy to say in hindsight. It was my opinion at the time, but it's I didn't say it, but was to let Schumacher face a Rosarena, the righty, who hits lefties reasonably well, although he's only had like a small time in the big leagues, let him face a Rosarena, then bring in Ray to face Nate Lowe, the lefty. But they brought in Ray, though, to start an inning, though, didn't they? Right. And they, so the, the counter to that is Ray might not be as comfortable coming in in the middle of an inning. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I assume that's why they wanted to do it. They wanted to give him a fresh inning. And again, it was a triple, right? Like the odds of a triple. <laughs> even even with the Rays, the odds of a triple are pretty long compared to all the other things that might have happened. Um, yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Even with the things turning out exactly as they did. If you told me the Blue Jays are going to get through the first six innings of game one, they're going to allow one run uh, because of their plan and sticking with it, I'd be like, all right. I mean, sure. One run, six innings. I'm, yeah, I'm it's fine fantastic. with that. <laughs> and then this is the thing. Like, people are like, oh, well, this means, it means that they're not going to get potentially a Taiwan Walker start. You think Taiwan Walker is going to give you better than six innings in one run? I don't. <laughs> Yeah, evidence suggests that no, he's not. He's not even. He might not even give you six innings. Um, so I think that in terms of an unconventional strategy, criticizing them for the unconventional strategy or the result is really weird uh, because you you need the team to hit. That's I mean that's where the problem lies. Is although uh, the race starters are very very good, you you need to you need to put at least one run on the board to win the game, and they hadn't by that point. So hmm. Yeah, and and also. For all the people who were like, Shoemaker was cruising. How could you take him out? Mm. In his second start of the year against Tampa, by the way, he went through three innings, gave up one base runner, who was immediately picked off. <laughs> and then the fourth, it went single walk, strikeout, home run. So it's not like this is a new thing for him where he goes through three and then his, gives up runs in the fourth because he gives up home runs. That's kind of his – he's not tenor roar giving up home runs. But, you know, he's a fly ball pitcher and – 
it was a zero zero game. The only like so take him out. Like, yeah, and if the Jays had scored three runs in those six innings, like you said, no one would be talking. Yeah. Exactly. If there he was a major decision be... I didn't like though. Yes. Which one? I can't believe they went to AJ Cole in a one run game. Yeah. I mean Nate Pearson was sitting right there. <laughs> <laughs> you mean the guy who could give you multiple innings and throw a hundred miles an hour and you're only down by a run? You gotta you gotta have that guy? Yeah. I mean, and AJ Cole has been like we talked about this on our preview pod with Nick. He's been really shaky lately, and yeah, he's worn down is an argument, and he had some days off, but he's also AJ Cole, right? The, the numbers he was putting up were a surprise. Yeah. So, again, like the Jays only got one run, so it's hard to say that the manager was even remotely a reason they lost, and I'm not blaming Montoyo for the loss. Like, let's make that clear for a second here. We blame Montoyo for a lot of things around here. Yeah, but losing a 3-1 game to the Tampa Bay Rays when you, you know, developed and stuck to a fairly decent plan and went to, again, he didn't go to the equivalent of Wilmer Font here. He just no. went to AJ Cole, and it didn't work out. Yeah, it's just to me like in a playoff series, when you're down, when it's a one-run game, you use your best guys first and save everybody else after, which obviously the plan wasn't that i mean aj cole was fine and he was facing you know manny margo who's he should not be hitting home runs in postseason games but you know stuff happens man it does and they you know they lost because they didn't score so yeah they managed to squeeze out one run uh on a sack fly i think in the ninth uh are there any any other moments in game one that we need to visit here before we go to game two Okay. Jeez. Oh, um uh the shoemaker ray duel. Yeah, no, that that's what we had. Now well, game I mean, two. Well there I mean the one thing that I think that actually we should sort of talk about, because it leads into game two a little bit. So the run that they scored was by Rowdy Tellez, who you know, he, he came in, he got a hit. And they let him run. So it seemed healthy enough to run. So I was actually really surprised he didn't start game two. Turns out that it turned into a minor detail, not a major, <laughs> a major thing, possibly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, you go to game two. You go with your ace, uh, Hyunjin Ryu. He's on an extra day of rest, as there's been speculation would be better for him. It, it has been better for him in the past. And immediately it's two runs in the first inning. No, they only got one in the first. One in the first. Yeah. Um, at what point are alarm bells going off for you with Hyunjin Ryu? Well, somewhat in that first inning. Because they got a lot of fluky hits in that first inning as the Rays do, right? Now, the first batter of the game was thrown out at second trying to stretch a single into a double. But all the other hits, with the exception of um, Brandon Lau's bullet through the right side, were kind of not much. So it's like, oh, well, like, you know, it's Ray's luck, right? <laughs> it's like, well, here's the thing. I am I am never a believer in momentum. But if your first hit of the game gets thrown out at second, you should have literally no momentum if that was a thing, right? That should be an absolute momentum killer. Nothing should, nothing good should come of that. And yet. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and, and Ryu struck out two guys in the inning. He struck out Diaz and Adamas. So it's like, okay, like the first three guys got hits and then it went strikeout. And then a ground ball through the infield to score the run. And then an error by Bichette. And then a strikeout. 
So it's like, okay, he's not throwing that hard yet, but there wasn't as much reason to concern for concern. And the second inning was when like he just looked like he had nothing. And lo and behold, one grand slam later, it didn't matter. Yeah, I was shocked he was able to face Renfro, to be honest. Uh, they'd already like it was clear to everybody watching that Ryu just didn't have it. So when he walked Yandy Diaz on, I think it was a three o. I think he walked him on four pitches. Which you know, Ryu walking someone on four pitches is not something you ever see, right? Yeah, it's like red alert plaxons going off. The things of things of and and then he the got point. the ground ball, the error. Like the, the so the two out error, second one by Bichette with two outs. <laughs> and at that point, I could not believe they didn't go get Ryu. I mean, I this is the thing where I was talking about deviating from the plan. Like they wanted Ryu to get through that, but you know, Hunter Renfro crushes lefties. Like that's his thing. And the bases were loaded. Go get Ryu. <laughs> like everybody was shocked. Well, I remember I was watching it along, along with the Twitter folks, right? People yeah. were shocked. They'd let him face Renfro. I think I even tweeted, it's like Hunter Renfro's going to hit a grand slam. And then he hit a grand slam. And nobody blamed you for saying that because, uh, you know, of all the outcomes that seem likely in the Rays Blue Jays history, this this really is right in line with all the rest on the chart. Yeah. I mean, all of them were unearned runs because of the error. And, you know, unearned runs like you, you can't give up four after the error. It's like, you know, Bichette gets blamed for maybe one or two of those. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he just didn't have it. And, you know, that happens, right? Like, look what happened in the Cleveland Yankees series. Shane Bieber, the unquestioned best pitcher in the league, got crushed because sometimes pitchers just suck. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when they suck in winner go home games, I mean, we're not in Boston or even in Yankee Stadium where seven runs is like, well, if everything breaks right, seven runs is doable. We're in Tampa where runs for Tampa are hard to come by, but they're also hard to come by for other teams. It's 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 not a park that lends itself to long rallies and, and big crooked numbers. There's a lot of space in the outfield. There's a lot of space in foul territory, relatively speaking. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Not a lot happens there for for offenses. So the fact that they got a grand slam out of it is is the anomaly. Um, so then Danny Jansen comes along and decides the very last moment to find his stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean he had a couple of games towards the end of the season where it's like, where I think he had two two homer games towards the end of the year, and. That's sort of like when we were talking last week. It's like, well, you know, his numbers didn't end up as bad as they could have. And then lo and behold, here he is in the postseason. It's like, I got you guys. It's like, could you possibly have done that in the previous game? Because your two homers would have tied things up at the very least made it interesting. <laughs> as it was, they were like silent shots into the night that no one heard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was just like it was so rough, too, because. If they'd gotten out of that inning, if, say, Bichette makes the play, it's like all of a sudden that home run makes it three to one. And it's like, well, you know, three to one, like it's doable. But it's like, OK, well, that made it seven to one. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. great. Thanks. Well, three to one, you start thinking about pinch hitting and whether you're going to pinch run for guys and seven to one. There's also like, like the third, right? It's like yeah. there's time to score two runs because glass now doesn't go deep in games. Yeah, but. All for naught, uh, which did mean we got a chance to see whether Nate Pearson uh, should have been in game one. 
And the answer seemed to be, well, gosh, it couldn't have hurt, could it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. He went strikeout, 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 all swinging, comebacker, strikeout, swinging, strikeout, swinging. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't a comebacker. Sorry. It was a grounder he had to cover first. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, still, I mean, that that's a, a, a – we know he's good when he's healthy, right? That's never been a real question. Um but the fact that he can be great in in an instance where there is a, there's still pressure on there, right? Because if you're if you're the guy who comes in and, and tries to hold the line just in case your team comes back in in a playoff game and you give up two more, um, you know, there's there's going to be questions. So he comes in and absolutely destroys Tampa. It's like, oh, okay, well, you know, next year Nate Pearson put him back in the starting rotation. Yeah, I mean, he was just fantastic. And it was, yeah, I was coming out of the bullpen and throwing, you know, max effort. But, you know, he had 101 and a half for the second outing in a row. And, you know, with his slider and that fastball, he didn't even throw his curveball because he didn't need to. He just completely overpowered. You know, Tampa strikes out a lot, but they look like they have absolutely no chance against Nate Pearson, which, again, like you said, it's, you know, when he's healthy, that's what he can and should be. And if he can do that out of the rotation next year, it can be a lot better. Yeah, for sure. All right. So we're going to go take a quick break. We're going to come back with uh, a, a question or two from you folks and a do-over because uh, Josh loves his do-overs. And you know what? I do too. And uh, and then maybe uh, just a, a quick glance at the future or, you know, the off season as it goes because we're technically already in that if you're a Blue Jays fan. And uh, yeah, and such and such. We will be right back. And we are back feeling rejuvenated, uh, but still a little sad, I think, inside. Would you agree, Josh? Yeah, I don't. That's not going away just yet. <laughs> no, that's you. No, no. Twenty second, fifteen, twenty second musical interlude is going to cure that pain. However, uh, we can always cure the pain with some questions from our listeners. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? We occasionally ask for a topic. Uh, in this case, we, we I don't think we specifically asked for a topic. And as a result, we got our first question from Wash Your Handies at Rally Cap. Favorite episode of Scrubs? Did you ever watch Scrubs? No. I never did. I didn't either. So. <laughs> My favorite one is the one that you like, Andy. I well, like that one, too. Lauren Simmons at Lauren Dorfin answered the musical, duh. And Andy <laughs> liked that. So I think the answer is the musical episode. Absolutely. Um, the only the only exposure I think I've had to that is watching Dr. Mike on YouTube watch the the um, the uh, pandemic or the quarantine episode of Scrubs, which made no sense. Uh, By the so, way, the reason this question was asked because the gift that was used in the Twitter question was from Scrubs. <laughs> oh, oh, you've you've done it to yourself. That's what we're yep. saying. <laughs> <laughs> All right, L at Ellie Yelly Hart asks, Last offseason, we were wondering if one of the two great catching prospects would be traded. Instead, it turns out we have a third. Now will the Jays trade one? Um, I think we have to redefine great catching prospects at this point, don't we? 
Well, it might be still a bit early for that, but uh, I think we're we're down to good catching prospect, not great. Well, I guess it depends on what you define as a great catching prospect. Like if, if someone is a good catcher, I think that makes them a great catching prospect because good <laughs> catchers are really rare. Oh my goodness! Um, do do okay, but the the, the question Lovely is: semantics. Do, do <laughs> the Jays do the Jays trade one of them? Um, I don't know if there's much much on the market for one of those guys right now. Would would yeah, you I trade mean, you for Reese McGuire? What's that? Sorry. Would you trade for Reese McGuire? I mean, no. Right. <laughs> uh, what's interesting is that the Jays are in a situation where. Not only do they have these three guys, but Riley Adams and Gabriel Moreno, or is it Moreno? I can't remember his pronunciation of, that, of his last name, have to be on the 40-man as well. And you don't want five catchers on your 40-man roster. It's not really a great use of your resources. So I think one of them has to be traded. I don't know which one, but... I, I, I would not be at all surprised if we see one of those younger catchers, specifically Moreno, dealt, and then the season open with Kirk in AAA and the same combo we had to starting the season, Jansen and McGuire, to see if McGuire can get at least back to close to what he was previously, because he was never this bad as a hitter. No, n- nobody's in, in, you know, pretty much double digits, it felt like. <laughs> like yeah. It was like, wow, what the hell happened there? Um Something. Now, that said, if someone offered them something of value for Reese McGuire, which, like you said, I don't see why you would do that, but the Jays would do it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it clears a logjam and gets them, a, a, at the moment, a definably better asset than what Reese McGuire is going to give you in the short run. I'm not saying you yeah. can't have Reese McGuire in the long run be something you regret. I'm not you know, disparaging him that way. But right now, this is the bottom of Reese McGuire's value. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we those, those were the only questions, but I mean, there was only two games, so we got two questions. That's how it works, right? One one per, I think. Uh, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna go to the do over from which Strong Bad is going to explain how a do over works. All right, what would I do different? Well, well, I've never actually made a mistake. There have been a few. Let's call them stananks. And that could be worthy of a do-over. Sorry, what's the nank would you like to highlight today, Josh? <laughs> so, Devin Williams was the star rookie relief pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, who unfortunately got injured right before the postseason, which sucks. He struck out 53 batters in 27 innings, which is just ridiculous, and gave up eight hits. <laughs> it was just like... <laughs> There's dominance, and then there's dominance, and then there's whatever Devin Williams was doing. Um, he, I mean, it was the most unhittable season a pitcher has ever had. And he did it on the back of this pitch, which is called, which is a changeup type grip, but it moves like a screwball. <clears throat> and so what ended up happening was that Rob Friedman, oh, better known by most people as the pitching ninja, he nicknamed the pitch the airbender because, you know, people didn't want to call it a changeup and they didn't want to call it a screwball. So he thought he should come up with a name for it. The problem, as you're about to hear, is that the pitch already had a name. What's that last pitch you threw me? Call it the eliminator. It's a combination screwball and split finger. The eliminator. 
Like, what's better than that? <laughs> right? And you know that we we you know love Major League, right? It's like if Major League says something, it's gospel already. But I mean this actually fit because <laughs> a splitter and a changeup are basically the same pitch. Just, you know, like they're on they're on a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, a spectrum. Like right. sliders and, and cutters. This is the same same concept. So this exists. Like the precedent was set. 20 years ago, 30 years ago, actually, almost, when Major League <laughs> 2 came out. And what's better than the Eliminator for a guy as good as Devin Williams? Yeah, I mean, the Eliminator thrown by the Eliminator. It's all in one. So the do-over is to Rob Friedman for not understanding the significance that Major League has to the baseball world <laughs> and trying to go against the gospel. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh, renounce your blasphemy and uh, and christen, rechristen it the Eliminator. I think that would satisfy everyone, wouldn't it? It would. I mean, it's the simplest form of the do-over. Just admit that you totally got this wrong and that there's a better option. We look forward to it. Because <laughs> he obviously is listening. All right. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think this is the part where are, are we already... I mean, we've already got a quote about the Blue Jays in the offseason, so I think we should highlight that. The Blue Jays are going for a high-impact player. Yeah. So when Ross Atkins was giving the interview that you're you're referencing here, it almost sounded like we want to get Francisco Lindor. That's who we want to get, but we can't say it. So we're going to say a high-impact player, and those guys usually play shortstop or center field. <laughs> it's like George Springer, Francisco Lindor. Those seem to be the guys that they want to try to get. Um, this is what they should do, right? Yep. Yeah, Especially you, if they can get someone who can move Bichette to second, the defense gets so much better. Well, I mean, the, the defense is is a plus defense. If you can put your decent shortstop at second base every day and leave yourself with Kevin Biggio roaming around, who apparently does all right roaming around, um, you don't have to worry about who's covering third base and, and shuffling Vlad back and forth, who is the big defensive liability. Like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so obviously, like, Francisco Lindor is still – the odds of the Jays getting Francisco Lindor are still much worse than they are of them getting him. Right. <laughs> or that came out Not really wrong. Him. The odds yeah. are that they won't get him. <laughs> but if they did, which is what it's – I mean, I, I all expectations are that they're going to try to. And that Cleveland will probably make him available. But even failing that, the recognition that – Moving Bo Bichette for a better player is an option as opposed to, you know, like we don't want to upset our young future superstar. Yeah. I, that's a good thing. Yeah, you need – I mean, this team obviously can play um, decent baseball. It can play above 500 baseball pretty much as composite without any huge changes, barring, of course, the usual string of injuries where we don't know who's what's going to happen to whom. But um, in order to play, a, you know, playoff caliber baseball, you need consistent uh, – uh, you need an all-star somewhere, you know. And if you can put uh, an all-star at shortstop, that's all the better uh, to bump your – potential all-star over to second oh no i mean roberto alomar was once a shortstop and so were uh, dozens of other players moving them off a of shortstop doesn't always diminish their value if they if they have the bat 
Uh, and again, like you said, George Springer as a center fielder, hey, I'll take that as well. But but getting a guy who absolutely has a track record and lengthens the lineup instead of a Travis Shaw who was good, wasn't good, should be good, and finding out he's not good seems to be the only way to get this team back into the playoffs consistently to me. Yeah, and one thing that I want to address too, just quickly, about the concept of this team as they're constructed now. This team in a 162-game season I don't think finishes above 500. Well, maybe some of the situations change, but like a lot of the, re- the reason they won a lot of the games they did were simply because they had expanded rosters and can throw out a thousand relief pitchers. Now, you can't do that normally. So at least recognizing that they need to make improvements on a larger scale, not just, well, we'd like to get a relief pitcher here or, you know, a backup center fielder. It's like they want to get good players to add to this core, even if that means moving some of the core off of where they're comfortable. And, you know, he and Atkins address, they always they especially need to fix the pitching and their strike throwing, which was horrible and their defense. And. You know, run prevention and, and, you know, if you add an impact bat at the same time, fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you need to get yourself, I would say to, at a minimum, two players who are three wins better than whatever was currently thrown out there. Now, if you look at catcher, if you look at, um, you know, your corner outfielders, it, it might not be hard or if you're pitching, obviously, um, it might not be hard to get a guy who can give you, instead of one win, give you three and a half wins as a pitcher. Uh, but yeah, you need to do, and you can't just keep adding people to add a little win here and a little win there because you you, you only have so many people on the roster. Uh, yeah, you so, run into yeah. like the Cardinals problem, right? Where the Cardinals would be good enough at every position, so upgrades were tough for them to justify because they weren't willing to go get the superstar. But, you know, when they went to, with the exception of when they got Goldschmidt, that kind of broke that chain. But, uh, you know, like they, they were – it's like, well, it's like we have Matt Carpenter. It's like is – do we really need to go get Josh Donaldson kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Jays are recognizing we have Bo Bichette, but, hey, we still should go try to get great guys. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully everything pans out. And, I mean, obviously, hopefully there's a full season next year. I know everyone is pretending that that's a given. But – I don't know how it's a given if nothing changes about the situation with COVID, right? It doesn't just magically get better because you uh, decided that a new season had come around. <laughs> like, Well, I mean, this is the big thing that's going to cause some issues. And, and one of the things I think that could theoretically be beneficial to the Blue Jays because of the way that Rodgers operates, if they can convince Rodgers that even taking another decent loss next year will be worth it if the Jays win because the Jays don't have much money on their payroll. So any loss will be not overly significant. And then when things do get better, even if, you know, like if fans finally are allowed back at full capacity in 2022, if there's a season, (laughs) that's a whole different yellow fish. Sure is. (laughs) But that that it'd be financially viable for them, and this I mean Atkins repeated this over and over and over again that the way to make money and get back anything they've lost is to win. Yep. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it's going to be a fascinating off season. The Jays. It sounds like they're going to be playing in the big 
you know, the deep end again. I mean, they did last year, right? They went and got Hyunjin reused. There's no reason to think that they don't have the desire to do that. It's just whether the world situation and the finances that come from that allow it. I agree. I think it's, I mean, this is the most win now we've seen this team since the deadline at 2015, right? Yes, I agree. All right. Well, let's start the winning. Not quite now because they're out, but I mean, next <laughs> next season, we'll start the yeah. winning. <laughs> they can go back in, right? Uh, I don't I don't think it works like that, Josh. I'm going to look at the rules, but I, I feel like there's something about the word elimination that comes up. Uh, okay. The eliminator. <laughs> oh, final thought from you. Well, that was pretty much my final thought. Um, okay, yeah. that's good. Yeah, I mean, I, it's that was really much covered. It's like the stuff that the offseason should be like, we're, I'm looking forward to it starting because it should be interesting. Um, my final thought is uh, the playoffs as weird as they were going to be regardless do seem to me to be terribly diluted with all of these three game series um mm. and the bubble and everything else like i know everyone's like oh everyone's in the playoffs and it's exciting is it you know what it's it's not as exciting especially these short series where you know two bad games or two good games sends you on to quote unquote the next round i'm i'm really not sold on the expanded playoffs format i i feel like the reward for the regular season should be more significant than again two losses is not an uncommon thing to for the playoff experience right now for what was it six different teams fan bases yeah like okay great i got to see my my team lose two additional times this year i'm so glad they made the playoffs and i and actually i lied i do have a, a final thought which relates to yours I, I think that postseason baseball without fans, I'm not saying they should put fans in because I'm not a moron, but <laughs> <laughs> it's just not the same. Like the excitement just isn't there. The sh- like I was watching, what was it? The game of Oakland and Chicago, which was a back and forth. It was a slog because of all the relievers used, but it was a back and forth tight elimination game because it was 1-1. And it just felt like a, a Saturday afternoon in May. Because the fans bring a level of energy even through the television that raise the stakes of every moment and i i don't know it's just it's sad watching it yeah it needs more buzz and that's that's why we have people attend sports in the first place is to give it that buzz so here's hoping that uh the miracle of a covid vaccine comes before we have to worry about playoff buzz again which is to say that uh, you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem, and I have been uh, Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010, and this has been Artificial Turf Wars episode number 185, and we will talk at you and sum it all up next week. <laughs> <laughs>